0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, And today we are going to be re-presenting a broadcast that we did back in July called God's Presence in a Divorce. The audience has grown and changed a lot since then. And this was one of our more important podcasts we did prior to my marriage. And we wanted to re-share that for you as we enter into the holiday season. So we hope that you enjoy it. And we look forward to being with you again here next week. Have a great week, everyone. Hello, and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm here with Father Boniface Hicks, and I'm Joe Rocky. And one of the topics I wanted to talk about today, Father, was the family unit and the importance of it. And it that's directly referenced in Humanity So having read that, Uh, over the weekend is going to be kind of driving this a little bit as well as the fact that I'm about to be entering into marriage and there's also a situation that's close to us that a marriage is dissolving. And so we kind of got the before and kind of seeing where it's at with these two parallels here and kind of using this podcast as a vehicle to discuss that, see what we can do as individuals here on the direct brass tax kind of level, and to, to go from there. So, pretty much throughout every church teaching I've ever seen is that the family unit is the unit to, to build society upon, which having grown up in a family with two parents seems to be pretty reasonable expectation and goal to achieve. And at the same time, going through this marriage preparation we're given all the statistics that at least in America, roughly half of marriages fail. So I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. I know that when I came out of college about 10 years ago, that there was a stat that said that of people being interviewed that 80% of people being interviewed that were going through divorce, 80% of them said one of the primary reasons was economically based. They either couldn't agree upon money, they didn't have enough of it, frivolous spending, whatever. But some answer therein, which at that point in time led me down this path that I ultimately chose to have my own business. So I wanted to dive into more so not the causes of it, of a marriage failing, but the effects. Because as I mentioned before, there's a situation that's close to us here where there's a separation and there's two daughters probably 13 and 11 ballpark estimation and it's just not being in that couple what can we possibly do to make things better for everyone involved and try to make it a good situation so with that being said that's kind of the outline Mm. going into this cast and uh, if you need more details to be able to to fill in some of the pictures we certainly can give them but if you have an initial thought if if we could get that
1: Uh, well again a beautiful question and really showing your own heart Joe and giving our listeners an example of the kinds of questions that we should ask when we look at the suffering that takes place in broken families there's a lot of suffering and we should be moved to ask that question not simply someone else's problem but rather it's my problem let me do as much as i can mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful attitude So that's going to be different for different people basically you have a gift to offer uh... and you're going to be able to offer your own gift and it's going to take more than one person doing that you're, you're not going to be able to do everything So there could be a variety of, of answers to this question and people are going to offer different levels of support but certainly the the number one person who suffers in a divorce is the children is the it, it are the children children suffer really for the rest of their lives there's there's a foundation that's built for us through marriage that there's just really no substitute for. God can substitute a lot by His grace. I mean, He can do miracles. But we should know that they're miracles. So what do we learn from our parents? Even if we have parents that didn't have the most radiant relationship with each other, who had their own limitations, and we might have suffered from that to a certain degree. I'm not talking about abuse or real extreme situations. But to have parents who stayed together teaches us commitment, and it forms in us the possibility of commitment. That's commitment to a marriage, to a person, but it's commitment to anything. And I I talk with a lot of people individually in spiritual direction or confession or counseling, whatever, and I can almost tell you without asking the question whether somebody came from a divorced family or not and that capacity to make a commitment to feel really confident in being loved and knowing that one is loved and that one has parents that choose them unconditionally and will support them 100%, that when there's a divorce, it really sends a shockwave through that and undermines the kind of confidence that someone ought to have in the love, the unconditional love that their parents have for them then it also sows the question, almost every child of a divorce at some level asks the question, am I the cause of this? Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody would say, well, that's ridiculous, but that's what the child feels. If I had done something different, maybe mom and dad would still be together. And getting at that question and helping someone to heal and reconcile with that. So the point being, the, the first concern for any divorce should be the children. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way, sometimes there there can be a way that we have sort of alternate fathers or mothers or an alternate stability, even though they don't see the commitment in their own parents, sometimes they're kind of taken in by their friend's parents. Sometimes they're taken in by an aunt and uncle or a grandma and grandpa, and they're able to build on that foundation and that experience of unconditional love. Sometimes there are some things that can support the children in in that way, so it's it's one way to be attentive and to reach out, to even make a home a refuge that the child can come, you know, perhaps while the parents are fighting. So that depends on your level of closeness with the family, and you know, all those kinds of things. But
0: it's, uh, it's it's one thing that comes to me. That that's that's fair enough, and that's going down the lines of of when we had this conversation about, about that the concerns came from because as you look into the stats a little bit more deeply. Yes, on the gross level it is fifty percent, you know, end up in, in other marriages end up in divorce. But if you dive into it a little bit more deeply, the people who came from both bride and groom coming from parents that both of them stayed together is a much higher percentage than if either the bride or the groom and the other came from a divorce and if both of them came from divorces. It's like astronomically high that it's not going to work. And if, if you can kind of just see that line go across in your mind as far as the stats, and that's part of what we're what we're trying to you know be able to make sure that the system doesn't repeat itself and get worse later in life. And there's a lot of elements that get to 11 years old to marriage that trying to to work through with the primary one being what you just mentioned there the the confidence level and, and the self-esteem so that's kind of where we're looking at us seeing that yes they are girls so that has a whole different realm that i've never lived <laughs> so it's, it's a new thing right there and just looking at it kind of realistically is that it's separated so therefore, there's a loss that inevitably you're going to want to fill. And what the fear is, is that essentially that, that gap gets filled by essentially promiscuousness, if that's a word, if, if you're trying to understand what I'm saying there, that they, they end up going to a base level that ends up not being anything but more problems but not realized at the time it's, it's basically you're hungry so you ate a candy bar instead of actually eating a real meal and then you just wake up later in life and you're not happy because you're hungry again and the long term effects of only eating junk is going to ruin you and what we're trying to do is figure out how to avoid the ruining of their soul just as the same way as only eating junk would ruin your body Yeah, you said it very well, trying
1: to break the cycle and provide a support for the children so that you don't end up repeating the same situation with more divorce and more divorce. And unfortunately, the reality is that fewer people are getting married because they don't want to get divorced, so they're not even pretending to make the commitment. They're just living together. And then that makes it even worse. 80% of the couples that live together get divorced if they if they ever get married because they learn to live together without commitment. And now when they're married, basically nothing has changed. They're still mm-hmm. really living together without commitment. And so the ease of getting up and moving out never really left their minds. And it it creates a greater and greater fragmentation, which creates greater and greater interior fragmentation in the children and then in society at large. There's a lot more uh, cynicism and, and negativity and uh, just a belief that no relationship ever works out. Marriage is impossible for anyone and uh, this this kind of attitude. Sometimes moving past the children uh, there, there can be a, an opportunity to support one of the spouses maybe to, if there's one spouse who's a little bit more aggressive about all of this and is really Grasping after whatever, the man grasping after a younger woman or they're running away from something. Sometimes we can challenge that person if that's a friend and we have that kind of relationship that we can call it out. Say, what are you doing? What do you think you're, what do you, what do you, you're not dealing with your problems. This, you're having a midlife crisis and you don't know what the meaning of your life is and you're dealing with it by throwing away your marriage and grasping after this other thing. Like, you got to deal with your life. You got to deal with the fears that are there. You've got to deal with the questions that are rising up about whether your life is meaningful, whether it's going anywhere, what what it's all about. Um, if we're on the other side of it, maybe a spouse who's a little bit more the the victim in the relationship, there can be a lot of brokenness there. That to be rejected like that, to be thrown out like that, to suddenly have the course of life changed so radically and that person could really use some support being able to welcome that person in if there are children involved again doing some babysitting or or giving the the single now single parent a break in some ways to help them have some sanity and and develop some strength and find some consolation so a lot of ways that we can support people who are in those kinds of broken situations and stabilize things a little bit and basically Insert some love. I, I love this the quote of Saint John of the Cross. He says, "Where there is no love, you put love, and then you will find love." Mm. And we're tempted to look at these situations where there is no love and to curse the darkness. So, do you can to put love there, and then more
0: love will come out. Well, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So. This makes me actually think back to one of the things that I forget exactly what cast it was, but you were mentioning about how to give love starts with knowing how to receive love. And I guess that's part of, of, of this problem here is that with the separation, you know, it, it, and them feeling, which makes sense that inevitably they would feel how could I have done something to change this to make this better despite the fact that you're in elementary school and you really had no effect in it or no ability to affect it whatsoever so therefore it's it's just a a thought exercise that leads into into depression and to nothing that can positively come out of it because it's starting from an unrealistic basis, at least that's my interpretation of the situation. So with that being said, how do you kind of get through that? Because basically the one side being feeling that their life's getting uprooted and they're, they're now the victim of this situation is pretty much exactly what you described that, that That's what's going on here. And you have that person now having... The gap in their life trying to figure out how to fix it and just maybe just replace what the marriage was supposed to be in their own personal lives and maybe not doing it in the way that's the best example for the children to follow through the daughters to follow so I guess the, the question is, 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 is how do you how do you go about this knowing that you're not with them every day you know, you're not you're not living in the house with them. You're you're not seeing everything that they're seeing. In fact at best you're only seeing half of the side of the equation. So how do you how do you put forward a, a meaningful proposition without knowing the whole picture? You know, you, you don't go out and go from the gospel just have you don't go out and build a house without serving the land beneath it you don't want to build your house on sand but without knowing where they're going through every day how do you give them something that's going to be meaningful such as a figurative house
1: and who are we talking about now? the parents or the children? the children Um, well I think even just listening to what they are going through every day is a great service we don't have to come in with all the answers we have to love how do you love? by making them feel welcome, making them feel safe, making them feel unconditionally loved, that it's not because of what they do or the qualities that they have, but simply because of who they are that you love them, that you who are essentially a stranger who don't have any obligation, that you extend yourself to give them a safe place or to provide some opportunities for them. You invite them to go whatever for an ice cream or, you know, take them to a park or something like that, that just any different way, any, any ways that you can show them love. And then by virtue of the fact that you are in a stable relationship, now engaged in the future married, you naturally give that witness when they see how parents interact, how they should interact when there is a commitment, when there's a healthy marriage, that's, it, it's reparative. And ultimately, you're, you're not going to be God you're not with them 24 hours a day but you can at least give them a picture of what God looks like when you're at your best for an hour you're showing them what God is like all day, seven days a week and that helps them to be able to receive love from God even when you're not there so just different ways that you can show them love, stability a healthy marriage and help them to feel loved
0: as you said that, um... How to describe this... This the enormitude of what you just said there seems a little bit daunting. And I understand that you as a priest have lived this every single day for... Since you've become a priest, to be the example of God. But... That just seems really as an enormous feat that essentially has to be done. Um... The only thing I can really describe this to is at the top of a cliff looking over a really high fall. Um, it's just the feeling that just kind of went into into the chest there. Um, no. You're good, Joe.
1: Just be yourself. And again, the the kindness, the generosity, the sensitivity, just the joyfulness, the the capacity to live life, the, uh, your your ethical code uh, all of that is is, an, is a reflection of God. God is love, so he's, to to witness to God, to point people to God, we just need to live that way of love as best as we can. And you know, God makes up for all of our shortcomings. But every little bit of love is a positive benefit, is a positive gift an individual especially who's been deprived and has suffered as
0: those children have yeah so I guess we get into the second half of that question of I'm a guy and you know I had all those urges and feelings that, that we've all had coming up through teenagers and and feeling the awkwardness that is of, of that whole process of, of growing up and developing and how seeing the the need to have a stable place to lie back on and just looking at my peers coming up and how the ones who didn't have the stable fallbacks are the ones that ultimately fell into trouble um, in one format or another whether it be you know, drugs or whatever or drinking or just sex, just just all stuff that, that at the time feels like it's helping because it feels like there's some bond that's being created and filling that lapse, but ultimately down the road just erodes at you. You know, it doesn't doesn't really progress anything. It just kinda withers from in. So and, and I don't really think that that's anything that's specific to to our culture or not. That kind of feels like that's a a people thing. And looking around, how do we prevent that? Because cause that's kind of the, the biggest fear in all of this is that you know the the children ultimately go down into that route where you know they end up getting pregnant in high school or end up being addicted to something and just all of these problems which just one action of separation in 2017 ends up destroying countless lives in 2037 and how to keep that schism growing and becoming worse so that's our fear i mean that 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 that's the fear yeah. in trying to figure out what to do here and um now that I just got all these butterflies from you telling me that I have to be like God, <laughs> is making me <it> <laughs> how to, to 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 concretely do this well. And I understand that there's a certain element that there's not just a simple blueprint: push this button, put this screw here, tighten, you know, tighten the screw, and then it's done. Your your structure is built. I, I get that that's not going to be one of these things, but and I get that this is also something that's not just the me problem either. This is something that. I'd imagine that every single person who listens to this either experienced this or has seen it in their lives. So, just as a society, yeah, you know, what do we do?
1: No, it's awesome. You're asking all the right questions. That's another area where, uh, as Christians, we need to be countercultural. And one of the elements of being countercultural is in the call to solidarity. And Pope Francis again uses that word and speaks about that so often, but. We're really called to be one family and to care for each other. And all of us fall short in different ways. A divorce is a particularly significant example of that. All of us fall short. None of us can be everything. You know, none of us can be God. But together, we get a little closer between your strengths and my strengths and Teresa's strengths and mm-hmm. your mom's strengths and your, you know together we can do something that's going to support those who are who are vulnerable and those who need some extra love and some extra help and so just asking the question is so huge the fact that you're asking the question Joe is, is huge and then the Lord will find ways to use your gifts the way that you can reflect God's love to help this person and to help other people you know maybe it's a I know for myself I had a soccer coach who was a phenomenal person and there were guys on my soccer team who came from different difficult situations, fathers that left, divorced families, and my soccer coach was really good at showing a father's love to some of those guys in particular, just seeing how they're doing and checking in on them and making them feel good about themselves and building them up on the soccer field. That's his gift to be a coach. His gift Mm -hmm. is not to be a counselor. But he used that gift of coaching, in order to build them up in their, in their in their manhood, in their uh, self esteem, and their their sense of their confidence. So we'll offer the gift that we can, you know, and, and maybe one of the ways that you'll be able to offer a gift. I, I'm thinking of um, some men's groups, and there's a retreat called Into the Wild that guys who have never had a father who showed them how to do stuff, you know, how to how to nail you know, put together a, uh, paint a wall, you know, or or put up drywall, or fix a hole, or fix a car, or change the oil, or whatever, you know, taking these guys out into the wilderness, and the first thing they do is build a little shrine to Our Lady and an altar to have mass on, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they build a shelter for themselves that they can sleep in overnight, and guys that have never used a saw before, or really used a hammer before, get some lessons, from guys that are not their father, you know, who are other guys like yourself who can do that easily and, and form them in that. You know, are those skills essential for going to heaven? Well, no, of course not. But is there something in that mentoring process, in the being taught something by a man? Does that make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. So that's really, if we, start, if we just ask the question, if we have, if we're, aiming toward having a solidarity where we really embrace others as part of my family, even though they're not related to me. That's my brother. When we start to cultivate that attitude, then a lot of beautiful things can take place.
0: Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Getting... I guess getting the the practical how to do it on on the ground is is just basically going to be observing and watching, isn't it? And just doing... What what you feel the inner calling to do. Um, on that note, when you're talking about you know just inner feelings that come upon you strongly, one of the things we talked about before was discernment. You know how do we go about knowing if this is actually a good thing to tell them? Because there's certain thoughts that have come to me which blatantly say what you're being told from your parents is wrong and there's a certain level that says it's already fractured enough don't make it worse by making them wrong despite the fact they are and you know how do you handle that you know type situation because i can hear them say something or do something and just say like Ain't right, man. Um, and then just go, go from there. And but at the same time, knowing that it's already broken enough between the children and the parents, by the parents getting broken, do you want to erode whatever is left on that rope? So.
1: Yeah, and it kind of depends on the severity of the things that are being said. You know, if they're depending on how wrong they are, you may need to actively resist it because. It's categorically wrong. I mean, you know, and, and maybe the esteem if the if a child is being told that they're worthless, or they're being told that you have no hope, or there's no way this isn't the way you can go through life, or whatever. There may be ways that you have to correct that, mm-hmm. in that they're just in a way that's even evil what's being said. On the other hand, in some situations, you may be able to offer because the thing about truth is it's kind of like you know lighting a candle in the darkness darkness can't resist light mm-hmm. and lies can't resist truth and so sometimes without necessarily saying the darkness is bad you can light a candle and it speaks for itself and so there are sometimes ways to promote truth to say not even pay attention to well you know your dad, what your dad said is wrong you can just say well this is the way that I see things and then they can see oh there's light there that's and that has a way of sticking. So sometimes we can just make positive statements rather than having to contradict or um, be negative or tear somebody else down. So so that's that's one way specifically about what you just said. And But then in general, we're going to make mistakes and we need to not be afraid of that. We do our best. Sometimes we see after the fact, yeah, I could have said that better, could have done that better. Okay, that's fine. But... Uh, you know, we're going to learn from that. But if your heart's in the right place, if you're trying to do your best, if you're paying attention, the Lord is going to also help you.
0: Well, Father, I definitely thank you for giving us all this guidance here today and a conversation that, that definitely helped me uh, for sure and one of these things that we'll look back on and, and really drive some, some good, good knowledge from. And hopefully everyone out there gains something from this as well. But we do thank you all for listening. We, we thank you guys for giving us strong ratings and, and for telling your friends about it. And we ask you to continue to do so. Um, we're, we're growing at, at rates that you know, when we started this, we never really thought we would have. So we, we thank you all and thank you for continuing to grow. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll be here next week.